The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture. And last month, I was at the national meeting of the Dietetic Association. Thousands of dietitians gathered, and one of the speakers that was so entertaining that I wanted to have on as my guest is Elizabeth Summer. She is a fellow dietitian. She is the author of numerous books, over 300 magazine articles. She holds a bachelor's degree in food nutrition from Oregon State University and a master's degree in community health from Ohio State. Her niche is food for the body, mind, and spirit. And you may remember some of her titles about food and mood, nutrition for women, age-proof your body, eat your way to happiness. And her latest title, which is really fun, is Eat Your Way to Sexy. Start losing weight in just seven days, reignite your passion, look 10 years younger, and feel happier than ever. Elizabeth, welcome. Oh, nice to be here. Everybody wants that, right? Don't we all want to look younger and feel more energetic and be sexier? Oh, well, I hope so. But, you know, I've come in my career after decades of yelling at people to eat better. I've come to the realization that one of the reasons why people don't make the effort to take better care of themselves is they've forgotten how good you can feel. But if you just make a few changes in what you eat, how much you move, and some other health habits, oh, I mean, you'll just, your body will repay you a thousandfold with more energy, mental clarity, you'll look younger, you'll feel great. I agree. And I also agree with you regarding our decades of experience and wagging our fingers at people. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's kind of what we do is how we've been trained to approach the subject. But I think your approach of looking at food from mood and how we feel and finding those common denominators about what we all want is really the place to start. And one of your chapters talks about that loving relationship and how, yes, we want quality relationships in our lives. They're very important. But, hey, how about taking care of us, the person within? So tell me how we might want to start improving the relationship that we have with food. Well, you're absolutely right. In fact, let me just go back with something that you said, because the research has shown that one of the most important factors in your life that consistently determines your happiness level is your relationships with your friends, with your family. Happiness in terms of buying a fancy car or a new television set, that kind of happiness doesn't last, but having a strong, support, loving relationship does. And, of course, I mean, the number one person in your life is you, and treating that body and that mind and that soul with kindness on a daily basis, giving it the fuel it needs to run on, the quality fuel, giving it the nutrients it needs to protect itself from disease and keep your brain strong. I mean, where else would you start but with yourself first? So, And what I talk about in Eat Your Way to Sexy is sort of the foundation of the diet is what I call the 75% rule which is 75% of the time eat real, eat authentic, 
choose foods that don't come in a box or a bag or a carton that are fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and things like that. Those are the foods that we evolved on. That's the fuel our body thrives on. So you still have a little bit of wiggle room there. You can still have a Pop-Tart or a donut once in a while, but keep in mind that every bite's going to count, and 75% of those bites, three out of four bites, should be real food. Mm-hmm. How do you get over that hurdle of motivation? It's like, well, yeah, I know I should be eating differently, but maybe it's easier not to. Wow. I think if somebody had the ultimate answer to that, they would be a billionaire. Yeah, that's um, true. I don't know how you get over I mean, we are bombarded in our culture with the best minds in the world in advertising telling us to eat junk. Mm-hmm. And that junk is loaded with nutrients that our lower animal brains respond to, fat and sugar and, and tasty, salty things. So you kind of have to kick your cortex, your higher brain centers into gear and, and say, enough. Mm-hmm. You know, keep in mind, the, your body is entirely built and thrives on the food you eat. There is no other place other than the oxygen you take in for your body to get its building blocks. Diet is literally the only place. So if you eat junk, of course you're going to build a body on junk. But if you eat, move, live right, then you give your body what it needs to build a strong, vibrant, sexy, passionate, energetic body. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you take a similar approach that I do in that we look at food from a very intimate perspective. I mean, other than sex, it is the most intimate thing that we do, and yet I think that too often we take it for granted. And there's also a quote in your book. You say that it might feel good getting fat because we're eating all these things that taste good at the moment, but really at the end of the day, it feels a lot better to be fit and healthy. Yes, and I think in a lot of ways people have sort of switched the immediate gratification for the long-term benefits of taking better care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think the pharmaceutical industry is thriving on people staying sick Mm -hmm. when, you know, you don't need to go on medications, you don't need to gain weight as you get older. It's not an inevitable decree. If you take care of yourself, like I mentioned before, your body will repay you back a thousandfold mm-hmm. with just a little bit of kindness. All right. Now, you talk about four secrets that are guaranteed to make switching to an authentic diet easier than ordering takeout, and I'd like to go through those. So secret number one is evict the junk. That's right. As long as you've got the Pop-Tarts and the Cheese Whiz and the Ding Dongs and the Soda Pop and the, and the white bread in your kitchen, it will be a temptation. Exactly. So... It's easy enough. Just once you decide that you're worth it, that you deserve to treat yourself better, that you deserve better food, you deserve a healthier body and mind, then you just go through the kitchen and toss the junk because the next thing will be, of course, restocking the kitchen. Right. With In the cupboard, you'll have whole grain cereals and instant brown rice and canned tomatoes and canned beans in their freezer. You'll have frozen blueberries and chicken breast and salmon fillets in the refrigerator. You'll have milk and orange juice and bag lettuce and, and low-fat cheeses. On the kitchen counter, you'll have bowls full of fruit and maybe apothecary jars with nuts and dried fruit in them. If you only have healthy stuff in your kitchen, you can still have breakfast on the table in five minutes, lunch in a bag in 10, and dinner on the table in 15 minutes because you've stocked the kitchen with healthy stuff 
and without the temptation. All right. That takes care of secrets one and two. The second secret being restock those empty cupboards. Secret number three, I love this one because it's so true, carry the goodies. Always bring (laughs) authentic foods with you. Yes, that I ran a study on another book that I wrote called The Origin Diet, which looked at the evolutionary basis for our eating habits. And so it was a pretty strict diet because people had to eat pretty much, you know, according to stuff that a hunter-gatherer w- would have been able to eat. And what we found in that study that I ran on about 60 people was that if you, one, had the kitchen stocked, and then two, you never left the house without stuffing your briefcase, your glove compartment, your purse, your gym bag, whatever, diaper bag, whatever it is you're carrying with you, your stash of fruits and baby carrots and string cheese and cold grain crackers and yogurt or whatever you're going to bring. Kelly Brownell at Yale University has called it, we live in a toxic environment when it comes to food. It's hard to find those foods at a drive-in or a vending machine. So just bring your stash with you. That way, what we found was that people had a much easier time sticking to a healthy diet because they could eat when they were comfortably hungry and they had healthy food to choose from. That is exactly right. I mean, just assume when you leave the house, if you're going to be gone for two or three hours, you're bound to get a little hungry. And you know what it's like. You're on the road and you feel hungry and, oh, you've forgotten to pack something. And then you start looking around and you realize, well, there isn't much that I really want to put into my body getting back to that intimate relationship piece. So I could not agree more. And then the fourth secret is wonderful. It's keep it simple. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. You know, eating well doesn't have to cost more. It doesn't have to take any more time. You don't even need to know how to cook to eat well. So keep it simple. Just don't make it complicated. Don't think that you're going to have to get a degree in gourmet cooking in order to eat well. Breakfast can be a bowl of whole grain cereal with some milk and a bowl of watermelon. Lunch can be a turkey sandwich and whole grain bread with a bag of baby carrots and an apple and a yogurt. Dinner, you can have dinner, like I mentioned before, on the table in 15 minutes. Put a salmon filet under the broiler, open up a bag of lettuce, put a sweet potato in the microwave, and you've got dinner on the table in no time. So it doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't need to take more time. Exactly. And you talk about the S-E-X-Y diet. Do you want to describe that? Well, the sexy diet stands for sensual, extraordinary you diet, the S-E-X-Y diet. If you follow the guidelines in that diet, I absolutely guarantee I have had 100% success rate with clients losing weight, feeling better, getting off medications, all kinds of stuff. They're happier, leaner, sexier. And it's basically, like I mentioned, based on the 75% rule that, you know, when you're looking at your plate, three-quarters of it, Three out of four bites, 75% of the time, should be real, unprocessed foods, fruits, vegetables, preferably colorful ones. I don't count iceberg lettuce and potatoes in that. It's more spinach, not iceberg lettuce, mangoes, broccoli, asparagus, things like that. So 75% of the time, you're eating those real foods. You also, I talk in the book about, quote, giving yourself some space. What I mean by that is that we have lots of studies to show that people that eat Small, frequent meals and snacks throughout the day have an easier time, one, staying in control of their appetite and managing their food intake and an easier time managing their weight as a result. So spreading your food intake is another one. There's a This one's probably the most fun. I get the eyes rolled to the back of your head on this one is feed your number one sex organ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's a but great one. Not, yeah, that's your brain, by the way. Yeah. That's where your thoughts and, and desires and everything originate. And the good news here is that we now have all this research to show that 66% of brain aging is within our control if we just feed the brain the right stuff. That is exciting. We should probably hang out there for a little while because (laughs) I'm really fascinated by this. And I think that as we age, many of us really worry about losing our facilities. You know, yeah, we're a little forgetful and we don't want it to get any farther. So it's feeling good about ourselves. It's thinking pleasant thoughts, being happy, being in a good mood. That always makes us feel and look more sexy. But it's also keeping our brain performance up, and they're all related. So how do you suggest feeding your brain well? well? I've got, again, lots of good news here. And you better believe I have watched this research more closely than almost any other. My mom died of complications from Alzheimer's, mm. and that was years ago. And the last thing I want to do is follow in her footsteps, nor do I want my children to have to deal with that. And the news is good. We know that people that, again, load their plate with antioxidant-rich fruits and vegetables are the ones that are at lowest risk for dementia because those antioxidant-rich foods, we've identified almost a million phytonutrients now in produce that protect delicate brain tissue from damage associated with aging, dementia, and even Alzheimer's. So that's one. Number two is, you know, the brain is 60% fat, And it's not a fat like you see on your thighs or your tummy. It's not a storage fat. It's a functional, structural fat in the brain. The little membranes that surround your 100 billion brain cells are made out of fat. And the more flexible and fluid those fats, the healthier your brain cells. And not only the happier you are, but the clearer you think today and down the road. And now we know that the omega-3s, in particular the omega-3 DHA, is the most flexible fluid fats in the diet. Our bodies can't make them. So if you don't get DHA from salmon two or three times a week, your body will go to a more rigid fat to make its brain cells, and hence you'll be at higher risk for dementia. So making sure you get enough DHA in the diet. There was a recent study that found that when seniors got at least 900 milligrams of that DHA a day, they saw significant improvement in memory. So DHA, antioxidants, you're well on your way to protecting your brain. Mm -hmm. We should remind our listeners that we are speaking with Elizabeth Summer, and she is a fellow registered dietitian. She's also the author of numerous books. Her niche is really on food and mood and how we feel, mind, body, wellness. And her latest book caught my attention. The title is Eat Your Way to Sexy, and that's what we're talking about now. So we're talking about the sexy diet. I think we touched on get wet and wild at least twice a week relating to the fish meals. Do you want to add anything to that? Nutrition is not a black and white science, so you always have to look at where the weight of the evidence lies. And the good news here is where the weight of the evidence is lying with those omega-3s is well on the side of happiness and mental clarity. People that get enough of that DHA omega-3 in their diet, there's up to a 50% improvement in depression, even in the people that are most difficult to treat, Mm. up to a 70% reduction in dementia and possibly Alzheimer's. So making sure you get salmon, mackerel, herring, sardines into the diet at least twice a week or supplement if you have to in order to get those omega-3s in. Yeah. Very important. I totally agree with you. 
Elizabeth, I think this is probably one of the most important dietary changes we can make, and I've done interviews on this before as well. We have so many more omega-6 fatty acids in relation to omega-3s, and shifting that balance is so critical. All right, another strategy you say, it's along that sexy line, is size matters. <laughs> yes, well, this is in terms of portions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, again, you know, keep your... Keep your mind clean here. And I challenge all of your listeners to consume too many colorful fruits and vegetables. But when it comes to other foods, especially grains and meat, making sure that your serving size is in the ballpark is critical for keeping your waistline lean throughout your life. So for a few days every month, pull out the scales and the measuring cups and the measuring spoons and remind yourself what a three-ounce serving of meat looks like because it tends to be closer to six ounces in our country, and that's an excessive amount. Grain, a half a cup of noodles is considered a serving, so that's kind of small. It's four fork twirls. But if you have a cup of pasta, that's two servings. Often when I tell people they need at least five whole grains a day and they say, oh, I could never eat that much, yeah. they may be getting that much just in the one muffin they got at Starbucks That's in the morning. That's right. That's right. So um, just get out the scales once in a while and make sure that your size matters, that one of the biggest things in terms of keeping your waistline in gear is is keeping your portion size under control. And, you know, going back to the taking care of your number one sex organ, we know that people that are overweight in their middle years have a threefold increased risk for dementia down the road. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you get that waistline under control, not only for your vanity, but for your mental health, the better. I agree. And, you know, I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges that we face in our country because the portion sizes just, they've gotten so big and they seem so normal. And it's a constant struggle. And if you, I don't eat out very often because it's just, it tastes better at home. And When I do go out, though, I'm reminded of just these enormous portions, and many times you can't even get a smaller portion. You've got to share, and anyway, it's it's a challenge, and we need to recognize that we're all struggling with that. And then there are the come-ons, of course. How much can you possibly eat for one low price, and is it any wonder, right, the toxic environment? Now, I have to tell you, I'm really, I don't recommend generally, that people take supplements. And I know there are some exceptions to the rules. And you talk about taking supplements. And one that we agree on certainly is vitamin D. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, because actually one of the recommendations in the book is that everyone should be on, quote, the pill. Right. But by the pill, I mean supplements. And anybody worth their weight in nutrition credentials will tell you to go to food first for your nutrients and for your phytonutrients and all that stuff. But the reality is, is every national nutrition survey going back to the 1960s has repeatedly and consistently found that Americans' diets are not optimal. One study from the FDA found that 99 out of 100 people don't even meet the minimum standards of a balanced diet, and that would be including five fruits and vegetables in the diet every day. That's minimal. Actually, the it's more optimal to get 8 to 10 servings of colorful fruits and vegetables. So... You know, on the days when you don't eat perfectly, you need to take a moderate dose, broad-ranged, multiple vitamin and mineral. Mm-hmm. Unless you're drinking lots of milk and or calcium-fortified soy milk or orange juice and lots of magnesium-rich whole grains and nuts and legumes, which three out of four Americans aren't, then take a calcium-magnesium pill and then vitamin D. If your multi doesn't have at least a 1,000 units of vitamin D, 
a nutrient that we now recognize is important for every cell in your body, not just your bones, and is being shown to lower the risk for things like cancer, multiple sclerosis, seasonal affective disorder, all kinds of stuff, then take an extra vitamin D. And then the fourth one is if you're not getting that salmon, mackerel, herring, sardines, and other fatty fish in your weekly diet, I don't count tilapia, by the way, as a seafood. I consider it closer to beef. If you're not getting the fatty fish in your diet on a regular basis, take an omega-3 fish oil or DHA. Mm -hmm. And how many milligrams do you recommend? For DHA? Yeah. You know, the minimum is 220 milligrams a day. That MIDAS study a couple years ago that where seniors went on 900 milligrams, they saw a significant improvement in memory. There's a recent study just came out last month called the Dolab study. It was conducted at Oxford University in England. They found the children struggling in school. If you supplemented them with 600 milligrams of DHA, they saw up to a 50% improvement in reading scores. Wow. So it looks like from conception to the last day of our lives, that particular omega-3 is so important for brain function. Yeah, and I want to let our listeners know that you have a terrific newsletter that is available through your website, and we'll let everybody know what that is now. It's elizabethsummer.com, and that's S-O-M-E-R, so elizabethsummer.com. And I have in front of me the September-October 2012 issue, Nutrition Alert, and it is just chock full with many of the issues we're talking about, but more importantly, you cite these studies where we draw these conclusions about diet. And I think it's important for all of us to know, you know, where do these recommendations come from? And the first article on the cover is, don't fool yourself, your diet probably isn't that perfect. And I agree. You know, I think most Americans are malnourished, not necessarily via undernourished for calories, but certainly undernourished for nutrients. So thank you for bringing that point out. Let's get back to the sexy diet, because there are other components in this that I want to talk about, and one of them is mood. And if we're in a good mood, we're more likely to be perceived as sexy. And carbohydrates have been the bane of our existence for the past several years. You know, everybody was on these low-carb diets. And I'm with you. Like, I, I find that I like to have carbohydrates, or I'm not feeling so good. So let's talk a little bit about how many carbohydrates we need, how they make us feel, What about people who say, you know, I am kind of addicted to carbohydrates. I can't eat too many of them. Where do we fit? Well, good question. And a lot of the carb fear came from Dr. Atkins reviving the diet that he had promoted back in the 80s and didn't work and ended up in garage sales. And then he comes up with the exact same diet 10, 15 years later, and everybody buys it again. Absolutely boggles me. But there was a good message in there, despite the fact that I don't, believe in Atkins and, and his philosophy. And by the way, he died of heart disease. Yes. Um, it, it, Americans are consuming way too many refined grains, way too many. Like I mentioned earlier, there may be up to four or five servings in just one muffin at a donut shop. And because the fiber and the phytonutrients and many of the other essential vitamins and minerals have been removed from those refined grains, they don't fill us up. So it's easy to overconsume them. But keep in mind glucose, or the building blocks for carbohydrate, is the number one fuel our body and brain run on. Every culture around the world's diet is founded in carbs, whether it's rice in Asia or it's tortillas in Mexico, whether it's pasta in Italy. That's the fuel our brains and bodies run on. So we need some carbs, but preferably they should be carbs that fill us up rather than fill us out. 
and uh, those would be the chewy whole grains. I don't even think there's a place for fluffy whole grain bread anymore. I think the bread should be chewy with big hunks of grain in it because the chewy whole grains, whether it's brown rice or whole grain noodles or chewy bread, enters the bloodstream slowly so it doesn't spike blood sugar levels and supplies the fuel you need to stay in a better mood as well as keep your waistline low and keep your brain functioning without packing on the pounds. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that our portion sizes, once again, have gotten way out of control. But I always hate to hear people blame carbohydrates for so many ills because I know personally that I really like to have some carbohydrate. I can't imagine having the energy that I do without them. And you've got the menage a trois breakfast, which is critical for maintaining weight and feeling fit and healthy. Tell us what's in the menage a trois breakfast. Well, (laughs) first off, let me just say that we've got just a whole bunch of research, hundreds if not more studies, showing that people that eat breakfast think more clearly, perform better at school and work, are in a better mood and have more energy throughout the day, have an easier time managing their waistlines because they have fewer food cravings throughout the day. But we're not talking a donut and coffee here. Right. We're talking my menage a trois or one, two, three breakfast. It is one, it needs to have some protein in it to keep your blood sugar levels even and and to keep you feeling satisfied through the morning hours. Two, it needs some kind of quality carbohydrate. By that I mean a chewy whole grain of some kind or maybe a starchy vegetable like uh, sweet potatoes or something. But more likely in our culture it's going to be a cereal or a grain. And then three, because you need at least eight, preferably ten, colorful fruits and vegetables throughout the day. And if you don't spread them out between your meals, you'll end up at dinner with a, okay, I had an apple at lunch. That means I need eight more (laughs) fruits and vegetables tonight. So include two servings at every meal and one of them being breakfast. So breakfast, you know, like I mentioned before, is could be a, a small bowl of whole grain cereal. That would be the, the carbohydrate with some milk or soy milk on top. That would be the protein. And then maybe a handful of blueberries over the top and a bowl of watermelon or a glass of orange juice. So it doesn't need to be complicated. But my children never, not once in all the years they were growing up, left the house in the morning without first eating breakfast. I agree with you. We are of the same profession. We both believe in breakfast. You know, Elizabeth, I knew our time would fly, and we just have about another minute more. I've pulled out the points in this book, some of the points that I love. I knew we wouldn't have time for all of them. What is in this book that you were hoping you might cover that I didn't? Well, I kind of would like to define what I mean by the word sexy to begin with. Because granted, you know, it might be putting on a little black dress or if it's a guy who's like putting on a studly suit makes you feel sexy. But think about what goes underneath that. What's the motivation to put the little black dress on in the first place? And it's that wellspring of positive feelings, that confidence, the vitality, the energy, the aliveness, the gusto. And Everyone can be that way. Everyone can be the person they're supposed to be with unlimited energy and a clear thinking mind and a trim body if you just take care of yourself. So I'm pleading once again that, you know, every time you go to put something in your mouth, think, is this fueling me or is it undermining my health? I love that message. And as your book describes, it's not about buying things for beauty. It's about investing from within. And I only picked 
a few topics out. There are many more, spices, wine, chocolate, a little incentive to pick up the book. But we've been speaking with Elizabeth Summer. She's a fellow dietitian, a prolific author, not only books, but also over 300 magazine articles. She's a contributing editor to Shape and just a delightful conversationalist. I want to recommend her book, which is called Eat Your Way to Sexy, Start Losing Weight in Just Seven Days and Reignite Your Passion, Look Ten Years Younger, and Feel Happier Than Ever. And I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at Kaopian Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you, listeners, for joining us, and thank you, Elizabeth, for being my guest. My pleasure. 